0: Isaiah 38 now, if you'll go and grab your Bible, let's read just a few verses together. Verse number one, the Bible says this, In those days was Hezekiah sick unto death, and Isaiah the prophet, the son of Amos, came unto him, and said unto him, Thus saith the Lord, Set thine house in order, for thou shalt die and not live. Now, church family, all of us, I think, would like to be like Hezekiah, knowing we're going to die. We don't know when that's going to happen. That's what we're supposed to live every day of our life, as if it is our last day. Interesting enough, Isaiah is 39 years of age here. The reason we know that is because he became king at age 25. He was king for 29 years, and we know that, which would obviously be 54. America, not 25, 25 is 54. And then you have 15 years minus from that because the Lord let him live 15 years longer than when he was supposed to. So he was 39 years of age when God came to him and said, Hezekiah, you're going to die. Set your house in order, all righty? Look what happens next. Of course, he talks to the Lord about it. In verse 2, it says, Then Hezekiah turned his face toward the wall and prayed unto the Lord. What did he say? And he said, Remember now, O Lord, I beseech thee, how I have walked before thee in truth and with a perfect heart, and have done that which is good in thy sight. And Hezekiah wept sore. So then God tells Isaiah, Go back and talk to him again. Verse 5 says, Go and say to Hezekiah, Thus saith the Lord, the God of David thy father, I have heard thy prayer. I've seen thy tears. Behold, I will add unto the, to thy days 15 years. Many people say it was not a good idea for God to give him 15 more years because then Manasseh was born. Manasseh became king at age 12 uh, after Hezekiah. And Manasseh was one of the worst kings um, of Judah, caused a lot of havoc. Look at verse number um, 6. God says, future tense, I will. He says, and I will deliver thee in this city out of the hand of the king of Syria, and I will defend this city. Interesting enough, the first three words of verse thirty-eight says, "In those days," so it was in the days that Hezekiah was actually being besieged by Assyria, and of course, God's going to take care of them. One hundred eighty-five thousand Syrians are going to die. Now, let's pick it up now in verse number. um, uh, I'm going to pick up in verse number nine, trying for time's sake this morning. Now, look what he says here in verse nine. Kind of a split in the chapter here. He says, "The writing of Hezekiah, king of Judah, when he had been past tense, when he had been sick." and he's recovered of a sickness, all right? So we know that uh, in the series of the story is God tell him, comes to Hezekiah through Isaiah the prophet and says, you're gonna die, set your house in order. And that's, a, by the way, that's a message in itself, thinking about, is your house in order right now? If something was to happen to you right now and you were to pass away, what about your children? What about your family? So again, uh, he comes to him, and of course, Hezekiah prays, cries, talks to the Lord, Lord, I've, I've done my best to please you. And by the way, Hezekiah was a good king. He did that which was right in the sight of the Lord, made several reformations uh, for Judah that God was pleased with as far as getting rid of idolatry and all. So God gives him that extra 15 years, and now that he's healed, we're about to read in verse number 9, it says, this is the writing. This is what Hezekiah wrote after he was healed. All right, I want you to notice just several things. If you were given longer life, and I mean it was very evident you were going to die and God let you live, what would you do differently This is what Hezekiah puts down on paper. This is what I did differently after I found out God extended my life. Look what he says now in verse number 10. He says, I said in the cutting off of my days, in other words, he was gonna die, cutting off my days, I shall go to the gates of the grave. I am deprived of the residue of my years. That's what he said when he heard that he was gonna die. Verse 11, I said, I shall not see the Lord, even the Lord in the land of the living. In other words, I won't be able to have a relationship with him like that quiet time that was sung a few moments ago. I shall behold no man Uh, with the inhabitants of the world. Verse number 12, the last three words, thou shalt make an end of me. Verse number 13, last three words, thou make an end of me, talking about God taking away his life. Like a crane or a swallow, verse 14, did I chatter? I did mourn as a dove. Verse 15, what shall I say? He hath uh, both spoken unto me and himself hath done it. In other words, he gave me an extended life. I shall go softly all my years in the bitterness of my soul. O Lord, by these things men live. In other words, God's words and in all these things is, is the life of the Spirit. In other words, the reason you're living, because God's the one that tells you you can. So wilt thou recover me and make me to live. The reason Hezekiah knew he was going to live, because God said he was going to live. Amen? Amen? Hey, you can take God's word to the bank. You know what's going to happen. Hezekiah knew was going to happen. Verse now 17, Behold, for peace I had great bitterness, but thou wast, uh, hast in love to my soul, delivered it from the pit of corruption, for thou hast cast all my sins uh, behind thy back. Now, verse number 18, I want you to notice quickly for these last few verses. This is what he did differently, all right? So here he writes this writing. Hezekiah says, God healed me. Now that I know I'm going to live longer, God allowed this. I'm, here's what I'm going to do. Verse number 18, he says, for the grave cannot, what's the next word? Praise thee. Cannot praise thee. Death cannot celebrate thee. They that go down into the pit cannot hope for thy truth. Now, church, let me tell you something. If you knew you were going to die and God gave you an extended life, I guarantee you the first thing you're going to do is going to praise God. But by the way, God's letting you live right now. You ought to praise God anyway. You ought to praise God as if this is your last day to praise God. You ought not to come to church and sing like you're in a funeral home. You ought to come to church and sing like he saved your soul from hell. So the very first thing, and again, can we make the parallel this morning? He's going to die. God extends his life. And he says, because God extended my life, I'm going to live my life a little bit differently. We should be that mindset every day of our life. This could be the last day that I live. I think I'm just going to praise God for the day I'm living in. And so many times we get discouraged about our circumstance or what's going on in our life. But we've got a lot to praise God for. And uh, if, you, if all you got was salvation, you should praise God for that. Amen? Because that's more than we deserve. We get to go to heaven someday. But God's given us a whole lot more than that. Next thing I see is in verse number 19. He says, now that I, the Lord has given me an extended life, what am I going to do the rest of my days? Verse number 19. The living, the living, he shall praise thee as I do this day The father to the children shall make known thy truth. You know the next thing Hezekiah says? I'm going to make known God's truth. I'm going to tell others about God. Hey, by the way, that's what we should do with every day of our life. And God gives you opportunity to do that. Sometimes we think, well, you know, I can't make it out the door to soul winning or I don't have a ministry like the nursing home or something of that effect where I can go actually talk to people. You come in contact with people every day of your life. And God gives you opportunity. And those are divine appointments for us to witness for him. And you know what? If you had the mindset... Tomorrow is your last day. I guarantee you today would be different. And it wouldn't be just spending time with family of those that you love. It would trying to make sure that every minute was used to the fullest. And Hezekiah said, I just want to tell you, I know that I should be dead right now. And by the way, he knew he should have been dead because he was sick. God healed him of the sick. In fact, he told Isaiah, take some figs and put it on the, on the lump, the boil of whatever, that sickness that he had. He said he knew he was sick because of what was happening in his body. They put the figs on it and God healed him. In fact, on top of that, he said, God, would you give me a sign? God said, I sure will. He says, I'll move the sun backwards 10 degrees. Hezekiah knew he was going to die. We live our lives as if we're going to live forever and we are going to live eternity, in eternity forever. But in this life, it's not forever. And so we should make sure we do what we can. And I want to tell you the first thing you should do is praise God. Second of all, you should tell make known His truth. Look what else He did. Verse number twenty, He says this: "The Lord was ready to save me. The Lord was ready to save me." I like the words "therefore" because it really pinpoints things. Therefore, because God did save him, we will sing my songs to the uh, to the stringed instruments all the days of our life. Now, notice He said "my songs." Now he had a song in his heart. He wanted to sing. Some of you don't sing because you think you sing bad. And can I just tell you something? God made your voice just like it is, all right? And God wants to hear you sing. And he wants to hear you sing. It doesn't have to be at church, all right? And I know your spouse might complain about you singing. Sing anyway, all right? It'll be a blessing eventually, okay? Just keep singing. And so what is singing? Singing is the outward evidence of being filled with the Spirit of God. That's what singing is. Singing is the overflow of what's happening on the inside. Church, it ought to be a red flag in your life if you don't like to sing. There's something wrong with you. You say, I don't like to sing because I can't sing well. That is not the case. The reason we don't sing is because, according to the book of Ephesians, the outward flow of the evidence of being filled with the Spirit is to speak to yourselves in songs and hymns and spiritual songs. That's why we sing. All right, so again, Hezekiah said, I just want to tell you, here's what's going to be different in my life. Last of all, verse number 20, it's where, he, it's where he was going in verse number 20. Last phrase, it says, I will sing all the days of our life in the house of the Lord. And I want to tell you, you ought to go to church, Amen. And, uh, you know, we talk about those uh, Christians, or believers, I guess you'd say, because uh, they're not acting like Christ if you're not going to church. But if these believers that go to church on Christmas and Easter. But, but, church family, I want to tell you something. You ought to want to be in church. You ought to want to go to church. And I know, I know the thing. I don't want to go to church because there's hypocrites down there. Well, you walked in to join them. So don't worry about all the hypocrites there because that's being very hypocritical of making excuses why you don't go to church. All right. So this idea of Hezekiah was, hey, listen, I'm, I, I've, I've, I've been given an extension of life. God could have taken me to heaven. And I'm going to tell you something, that's the devil telling your mind, well, I just wish I was there. And by the way, in the sense that we want to be with Christ, yes. I was, it was Curtis Hudson that said, we should be praying for, our, for Christ appearing, not our disappearing. Yeah. And the problem with us is we want to disappear because we want to get away from all the problems of life and the circumstances of life instead of truth, truthfully we should love his appearing. We should think about I'm going to be with the one who saved me. I'm going to be with him forever. And so again, can I remind us this morning? That's just the first part. If you want to call it an introduction, because I want to get to the next part. But this first part of the lesson this morning is I look at Hezekiah, and here he is going to die, and God says, "Okay, I'm going to extend your life." And the things that he changed in his life was simply, I'm going to praise God. I'm going to sing to God. I'm going to make sure I'm in church. I'm going to make known his truth. And I'm going to tell you, all of us should think about, hey, okay. I don't know how long I'm going to live, but I should make the best with the time that God has given me. All right? That's, that's chapter 38. If you're still with me, say amen. amen. All right, that's the prelude, chapter 39. Are you guys ready? Chapter 39 was Hezekiah's folly. I'm going to read the last verse first. There's only eight verses. Verse 38 is Hezekiah's response to Isaiah. Verse 30, sorry, verse 8, excuse me. Chapter 39, verse 8. Then said Hezekiah to Isaiah, good is the word of the Lord which thou hast spoken. He said, moreover, for there shall be peace and truth in my days. And that's what I want to deal with here in just a moment. Such a selfish statement for a good king. A king that, whose life was extended. A king who should have been dead. By the way, what happened in chapter 39 took place after God healed him and after God gave him an extension of life. Now let's pick it up in chapter 39. Let's look, look what happens. Verse number one. There's only eight verses. Please follow with me. At that time, what time? Time of the Assyrian invasion or I should say uh, siege. At that time, Merodach-Baladin... The son of Baladan, king of Babylon, sent letters and a present to Hezekiah, for he had heard that he had been sick and was recovered. And Hezekiah was glad to see, glad glad of them, and showed them the house of the precious things, the silver and the gold and the spices and the precious ointment and all the house of his armor and all that was found in his treasures. There was nothing in his house, nor in all his dominion, that Hezekiah showed them not. Now think about that. There was nothing in his house, nor in all his dominion, that Hezekiah showed them not. Now all obviously that was pride. The reason he's showing things off was pride. Second Chronicles thirty two tells us that, verse twenty five through thirty and twenty thirty-one. Verse three says, Then came Isaiah the prophet unto King Hezekiah and said unto him, What said these men? And from whence came they unto thee? And Hezekiah said, They are come from a far country unto me, even from Babylon. Then said he, what have they seen in thine house? And Hezekiah answered, answered, all that is in mine house have they seen. There is nothing among my treasures that I have not showed them. Then said Isaiah to Hezekiah, hear the word of the Lord of hosts. Behold, the days come that all that is in thine house and all that which thy fathers have laid up in store unto this day shall be carried to Babylon. Nothing shall be left, saith the Lord. And of thy sons that shall issue from thee, which thou shalt beget, so they take away, and they shall be eunuchs in the palace of the king of Babylon. Then said Hezekiah to Isaiah, Good is the word of the Lord, which thou hast spoken. He said, Moreover, for there shall be peace and truth in my days. But, church, when we look at the folly, what a folly of Hezekiah saying this, making the statement. He shows everything. Now, I didn't turn to it. I gave you the reference. It's actually 2 Chronicles 32, verse 25 and 31. But when you go to the story in Second Chronicles, you're going to find out that the problem was pride. The reason Hezekiah was showing everything that he had is because he was trying to make people look at him. It was not him that had gathered those riches or had that kingdom. It was God who gave those riches and gave that kingdom. Can I just stress also, it's not you that that made that bank account or or had those children. It was God who gave you those children. It was God who gave you that bank account. You know, we are no different than the Old Testament kings when it comes to our attitude about what God has done for us. You can either take some of those kings' attitude that I am what I am because of me, or you can take the attitude I am what I am because of the grace of God. You have what you have because there's a God in heaven that loves you. You think you really had those children because of you? You had those children because there's God in heaven that allowed you to have children. You think you have that job because you're such a hard worker and because you're so talented? No, you have that job because God gave you the ability to be able to have that job and then gave you that job. So here you have Hezekiah, he is showing off all of this stuff as if he's the one, and God's not very happy with him. And by the way, pride is the one thing that God hates. These six things that the Lord hates, yea, seven are an abomination unto him. All seven are an abomination, six that God hates. I believe the seventh one is a person. That's why God says he can't hate people, he hates sin. But these six things that the Lord hates, yea, seven are an abomination That's chapter 6, I think, verse 13 through 18. But chapter 16, verse number 5, everyone that is proud in heart is an abomination to the Lord. Everyone. Proverbs 16, 18, pride goeth before destruction, a haughty spirit before a fall. Proverbs 18, 12, before destruction the heart of man is haughty, before honor is humility. So you can understand that God hates pride. Why do you think Satan was cast out of heaven, Lucifer cast out of heaven? It's because he said, I will. And God said, no, you won't. He doesn't say it quite like that, but that's what he meant. And can I just tell you, God does the same thing with us. I will, I will. And God says, no, you won't. God says, I'm the one that gives you health. I'm the one that gives you finances. I'm the one that gives you the abilities that you have. And so here Hezekiah shows all of this off out of pride. And so Isaiah comes back to him and says, hey, God's not happy with you. In fact, he is so unhappy with you that everything you showed off is now going to be taken away. And it's not going to happen in your time. It's going to happen in your children's time. Now, church, I want to talk to you for a little bit this morning on that thought this morning of the things that we do that affect our children. Now, I know some of you here this morning might say, Pastor, I don't have any children. But let's just put it this way. The things you do affect somebody. The things that we do affect somebody. And if you're not careful, you're going to have the same attitude that Hezekiah had. Good's the word of the Lord, as long as there's peace and truth in my days. Do you understand it's not all about you Do you understand that God's got a purpose for your life? It doesn't matter how old you are. It's not about you, it's about what God wants to do through you. The people that you teach, the family that you have, the people that you work with. We get so blinded with our circumstances as if we're the center of the picture and everything else is going on around us. When God's the center of the picture and we are around Him, Hezekiah makes a folly here and a big folly. His folly was he didn't think about uh, Him, he was only thinking about Himself. You know, I'm going to quickly just make a couple more statements, and I want to talk about what affects our children, or affects those that God allows us to influence. But you notice in verse number six, <clears throat> what what took place in verse number six? It says, "Behold, the days come." You know, I think one of the problems with Hezekiah was this: he thought as long as today went well, it didn't matter what happened tomorrow. In other words, the idea was is that the reason Hezekiah thought God's judgment was good, and by the way, it was a judgment. You ever thought about that? Isaiah comes to comes to Hezekiah and says. God says, you're in trouble, and this is what's going to happen. This was the judgment. And wh- why would you say, "Good is the word of the Lord? Why would you say, man, God's judgment, what a blessing. I going to tell you why, because the first statement that was made in verse number six was simply this, "Behold the days come. I think that Hezekiah thought, because God's judgment was coming later, it was OK. It's not okay. Amen. Church let me follow me for just a moment this morning. You know, we don't know how long we're going to live. And as we get older, I think sometimes we start to look at it a little more clearly. Okay, there's not very many more years of life left. What am I going to do with those years of life? You know, when you get to, when you get to I'm 53, when you get to those ages of 53, and I know some of you think, you know, it's not a big deal, but I don't know, I ponder those things. When you look at the scripture in the book of Psalms, and he says, hey, listen, but if God allows us our three score and 10, which is 70, and if by reason of strength it be four score... When you think about 70 and 80 years old and you get to the place when you're 50 and you think 20 years, you remember how your first 20 years of life went by and you think about, okay, the last 20 years, how quickly they're going to go? It just causes us to think. Young people today, they, have, they don't, they, in my opinion, they don't even think about tomorrow. Right. What, what am I getting out of life today? Hey, we're, I'm talking to the adult class this morning. We're beyond that. Amen. And we should mentally be beyond this idea of, Hey, listen, as long as I have a good day today, as long as I can enjoy my retirement, as long as I've got money in the bank, as long as I can take care of my family, it kind of, we should be beyond that. Amen. It should be, okay, what is happening tomorrow? What, what is, where, where are my children going to be? Where's my grandchildren going to be? But he had the thought, hey, listen, as long as it's tomorrow, it's okay. Now, I know this seems like backward preaching because of Matthew chapter six, when the Bible says, uh, take no thought for tomorrow. For, for sufficient is the evil for the day thereof. I'm not talking about that. That verse is talking about don't worry about your problem today, or I'm sorry, don't worry about your problem tomorrow because you've got enough problems today. What this is talking about is in preparation of my influence of what God would have me to do so that I can influence the next generation, and influence those after me. The first thing I think about about Hezekiah, he didn't think, he thought God's judgment was good because it would come tomorrow. Look at verse number six. Something else he didn't think about. It says, Behold, the days come that all that is in thine house and that which thy fathers have laid up in store unto this day shall be carried into Babylon. Nothing shall be left. Not only did he, he thought, well, as long as God's judgment would come later, but he also forgot what his fathers had done. Church, I mean, you are not the sum total of what you have invested in you. You are the sum total of what a bunch of people have invested in you. And I don't care if you're 70 years old. Somebody invested in you. You had parents that invested in you. You had a teacher that invested in you. You had a a, a co-worker that... You had a pastor that invested in you. And so here he had all this investment in Hezekiah's life. And guess what he says? Oh, good's the word of the Lord. Who cares that all my fathers had created this particular nation in the sense of Judah being established and all the fenced cities of Judah. And who cares about the tabernacle and the temple that was built? Who cares about all the things that God has done for us, bringing us out of Egypt? It's not really a big deal. Folks... People have sacrificed in our lives to get us where we are today. The biggest problem with this generation is of unthankfulness, of not appreciating who's invested in their life and in taking care of them. You hear me from the preaching and it permeates what I say. It irritates the fire to me that a young person can live in your house I'm talking about from pastor looking into a home. It irritates the fire that a young person could grow up in your home, and they have a saved mom and dad that faithfully takes them to church and is trying to rear them—not perfect, but trying to rear them for God—and gives them a place to stay, puts food in their, food in their belly, and takes care. And they can complain about you. There's something wrong with that. Ungratefulness had no idea of the sacrifices that took place in, their, in Hezekiah's father's life and grandfather's life to be able to get him to the place. It wasn't Hezekiah, it's was those who invested to get him to there. Who invested to get you to where you're at? Have you forgotten that? Another reason he thought God's judgment was good is verse number 7. I'm getting to the lesson here quickly. Verse number 7, it says this, And of thy sons that shall issue from thee, which, shall beget thou, which uh, thou shalt beget, which, which is the word shelter, obviously Manasseh wasn't even born yet, shall so they take away and they shall be eunuchs in the palace of the king of Babylon. The reason he said in the next verse, good is the word of the Lord, is because he was unconcerned about his offspring. Unconcerned about his offspring. Now, I would be careful to say that you don't care about what happens to your children because obviously you sacrifice for them now. But I think sometimes if we're not careful, we forget about that what I am and do now is going to affect my children long term. You know, I tease about my kids uh, a little bit as far as their driving. It's not funny as the insurance goes up, but anyway. You know, you see uh, my kids, but truthfully, they drive with me more than they drive with their mother. I'm sure they got their driving habits from me. Uh, Thank you appreciate that you know I, speeding is not um, a necessity with me but it sure is a blessing no I'm just joking I'm the kind of person that speeding is not so important as just getting to the next place quickly all right and so and I mean that I it's, it, to be honest with you it's not always going 65 and a 55 for me but it is getting from zero to 55 as quickly as I can and so, I don't know if you're like that or not. I'm being serious here. I mean, as far as I, most of the time, if I'm down a road, I try to make sure I always put cruise control on just to keep myself on the speed limit. And the older I get, the more, from what I was younger, the older I get, the more I follow the speed limit, to be honest with you. But I still am that kind of person that I want to get to the speed limit as quickly as I quickly can. I was driving one time, my wife said, dear, you gotta be careful when you're driving. This when brother, Les Frazier, of course, he was old back then. He was sitting in the front seat. I think my wife might've been in the back seat. She says, did you notice Brother Fraser in the front seat? I said, what about him? She says, every time he came to that stop sign, he moved forward. And every time he took off from the stop sign, he kicked back. I didn't notice it, to be honest with you. I'm in the driver's seat and I felt just fine, all right? What I'm just trying to say is this, there is no doubt that my boys have got their driving habits from me and I could kick myself. Because now it's constantly, you know, make makes you slow down. You've got your, your sisters in with you. I don't mind you dying, but they better not. So, and, and let's face it, my kids have gotten their driving habits from me because I want to get somewhere quickly And the truth of the matter is that's just something they pick up from being with me. Now, that's one small aspect of life, but you understand all the other aspects of life, even on the spiritual side of life, on do you come to church when it's convenient or do you come to church because it's conviction? Do you get up and have your devotions where your kids see you read your Bible, or is it just a matter of they know that you don't read on a regular basis because they know that the marker in your Bible hasn't moved in a month? I'm just telling you, we affect our children by what we do and live. Now... This morning, I just want to point out some things, and this is really farther throughout the Bible. I like to stay textual this morning, but you understand that the problem with Hezekiah was he, did not, he thought God's judgment was good because of time. He thought God's judgment was good because of his fathers. He didn't care what they invested. And, and the last of all is he, didn't, he thought God's judgment was good because he was unconcerned about his offspring. But church family, you should have in your lesson there s- several things, I believe that talk about that whatever I do is going to affect my children, all right? There's only just a few of them in the scriptures, and I want to just briefly talk about those, okay? I think the verses are on your lesson, if I remember correctly. should be the last part of your lesson. What can we do that will affect the future of our children, all right? The first one is Deuteronomy 4, verse 40, and it says this, Thou shalt keep, therefore, the statutes and his judgments, which I command thee this day, that it may go well with thee and with thy children after thee, and that thou mayest prolong thy days upon the earth, which the Lord thy God giveth thee. Now, the first thing I want you to think about is this, is if I keep the commandments of God, it affects my children. He said, if you keep the commandments of God, it will go well with your children. you ever thought about that before? That just simply by being obedient to the scriptures, I die, I'm in heaven I have a perfect body and I'm with God forever and I'm enjoying, but until the Lord comes back for the folks on earth, my kids have to live in this mess. And I don't know about you, but it's a mess. I mean, when you think about the United States of America, one of the very few, if not the only nation that was founded upon the word of God, and we are a Christian nation beyond what people would say because we sure are a whole lot more Christian than a lot of the other nations. And that's not to, to, to uh, say that we're better. What I'm trying to say is this. We have gotten far away from the Word of God. When you can take the Ten Commandments out of a courtroom and you can take the Bible and prayer out of a public school. And you can say that uh, a person who is a homosexual and a, and a person um, who has... Um, anti-moral values has has more right to say those things but if you say anything that that's being either racial or uh anti-discriminate or i should say discriminate, just right the bible has not changed the world is what's changing and as the world continues to get farther away from god the christian is going to look more abnormal as he lives for god our children get to live in this mess now, we know the Lord's coming back, and we praise the Lord for that, but can you know what? I can make a difference in my children's life that while I'm in heaven, if God, I hope we all get to go together today. But if that God tarries, then I'm just trying to say our children are left behind. I have an effect on that while I'm in heaven. How do I do that? Keeping the commandments of God. I was talking about my father to the children. Mom, mom didn't know this. I was taking mom back from the airport um, a few days back. She was coming back from her sisters, and so I, I found a... I was giving away books and some of the books I had were some of my dad's test papers from college. And to be honest with you, they were D's, my dad. And so on the way back from airport, I said, mom, I said, did dad have our time in college? And she, uh, he said, my, my mom said, well, your dad hated school. I said, no, no, I got it. And he said, your dad hated school. In fact, he hated school so much that he went to three and a half years of high school and took as many courses as he could so he could get done with school. So he only went for three and a half years of high school. He didn't go for, he got all his subject matter done before because he didn't like school. Now go figure that one out. And um, and then, you know, an extra part of the story was kind of interesting to me, is my father graduates in December, from gets done with schooling in high school. He goes to college right after that. Now, if you don't like school, what are you going to college for? But dad wanted to be in ministry. And so because he went to ministry, he went to a Southern Baptist college. That's where he met my mom. And he got married to her in June. He's not even done with, barely done with high school. He's 18 years old. He gets married uh, in June. A lot of things started to click with my father as far as, over time, as far as asking. Him. I remember the day going over to his office and asking, him, said, listen, Stacia, she, I said, I had met her and I said, you know, I think this is the girl I'd like to marry her. And he looked at me and he says, well, then marry her. I was still a sophomore in college, just finished my sophomore year of college, now I know why he said marry her. He only waited until his first of his semester of his freshman year and got married. I look at my children and I think about, you know, studying is, is uh, I'm not a, a good reader. I read. I'm not a fast reader, but I read and I'm not, and, and studying sometimes is kind of difficult. And I love studying my scriptures. I'm talking about school. School was, for me, was just a matter of memorization of facts. And I could do that. It was, I made straight A's, but it was just because I couldn't tell you. If I knew algebra and geometry today, that's what they have a mother for. Can't do algebra and geometry today at all. Now, I, I could pass my classes because I could do my homework and I could spit facts. That, that was easy, but I, to be honest, I didn't enjoy it. And there's a lot of things that are passed down, and we can blame our parents for a lot of things that we shouldn't, but I'm, what I'm trying to say is this, is that my father also had so many characters. I mean, in junior high, when he, after he got saved from junior high through high school, he took his Bible to the public school every day with him, every day with him in the public school and then my dad was known for carrying his Bible everywhere. And to be honest with you, I do not know of a day in my life that when he left the house and in every establishment he went into, he had his Bible with him. There was I can't tell you one time that he did not. Whenever he got saved, he believed it. He believed what he was doing so strongly. In fact, people hated him for what he believed so strongly. I mean, they tried to kill him on multiple occasions because of what he believed. And I think to myself, okay, I'm not the brightest but I want to tell you something. I do, I have beliefs and I, I believe that strongly about things. And the reason our church meets Sunday school, Sunday morning, Sunday night and Wednesday night, whereas most churches still, even after COVID decided, you know, they shouldn't be coming together. You should watch it online is because I have a belief in church and that, you know, many of you have been with me long enough. I have some beliefs that you don't even believe, but I believe them. All right. And because of that, Where did I get that from? I believe it's because I had a dad that had a belief system that was strong when it came to the Word of God in a lot of different areas, and I've inherited that. Can I just tell you, your children are going to inherit your belief system. What do you really believe about the Word of God? Do you really go home after a service and all you can do is criticize the service? on, Well, the pastor took too long today, or I don't know, you know, that, that that doesn't always apply to us, the verse everybody wants to use. You know, are you fully persuaded in your own mind? When you start pulling Scripture like that, that's not talking about what is spelled out in Scripture. All I'm trying to say is this, is that we make a difference from the children that we have and the people that we are involved with if just simply by keeping the commandments of God. There's four or five of them, or four of them there, I believe. If you want to look at them, maybe five of them. They're doing right in the sight of the Lord. Just, the Bible says that it will be well with our children there. Serving false gods. If we don't, it's our children to the third and fourth generation. Interesting there. Then doing iniquity. I'll read that last one. When they doing iniquity, keeping mercy. God says he keeps mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, and that by no means clears the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children and upon the children's children under the third and fourth generation. Church, if for no other reason you ought to want to do right is because what I do is going to affect my children. You know, all of us are affected by several different things. And to me, there's not a science to it. Some people would say that there is. I don't know that there necessarily is. Um, You have generational sins, uh, sins that are in your family line that are specific, that many times are passed down because nobody broke the chain. Um, You have the uh, atmosphere that a child is raised in, as far as uh, if you raise your children in a Christian atmosphere or not. Uh, you have the individual spirituality of the person themselves because the Bible says that we're all going to stand before God at the judgment seat of Christ give an account for our sins. You have the individual uh, spirituality of the person themselves. I've got some kids in my house that they were up at 6 o'clock this morning having their devotions and then I have other kids in my house I'm just thankful they made it to church. <laughs> it's the individual spirituality of the child. There are so many things involved to what determines. But can I just tell you, this is such a key to what I do. Our children are going to follow suit. I wish to a degree that all of our children would follow suit. But again, you have several different denominators that make something happen. It's not like, you know, it's like a person wants to use that verse, train up a child in the way he should go. And when he's old, he will not depart from it. What they're trying to say is, is, well, your kid went bad because you didn't train him right. That's what they're trying to say. Okay. But that's not what that scripture actually says, and if we really get into the detail of it, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. And I'm not trying to, to, to pull straws or split hairs this morning. I'm just trying to say is this, that our children do follow us, and sometimes it's down the road. But it is so important for us to realize to not have a Hezekiah attitude. Good's the word of the Lord, as long as there's peace and truth in my days. Just for me, do you really want to just live your life just to go to heaven or do you want to live your life to make a difference for God and for God to be pleased with your life? Amen. Some of your grandparents in here and you have an opportunity to make a difference in your grandchildren's life. They look, at, they look at grandma and grandpa and to some extent, sometimes grandma and grandpa is more spiritual than their parents. Not in every case, but in some. Make a difference in their life. Pray before a meal. Read the Bible before they go to bed. Take the kids' the grandchildren when you can. Bring them to church with you make a difference so they, you know why? Because you don't want to be Hezekiah. Hey, as long as it's peace and truth in my days, I don't care what happens to you. You should care because you can make a difference. I've read that verse, I don't know how many years of my life, and I've always thought to myself, how selfish can you be? That's, that's the epitome of selfishness. If the greatest commandment is to love the Lord thy God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and the second greatest love your neighbor is yourself, then we should be concerned about what happens to our children. Would you bow your head and close your eyes this morning? Heavenly Father, Lord, I ask you to please help all of us, Lord, to not have that selfish attitude that Hezekiah had at the end of his days. But, Father, help us to be determined and, Father, concerned about the people you've given us to influence, whether it's family or not. Lord, may we again do what's right. Lord, thank you for the days of our life that you let us live. We look forward to the day that we're with you. But, Father, until you take us home, help us, Father, Lord, to to do what Hezekiah did when he found out he had an extension of life. He praised you. He sang to you. He told others of your truth. Father, help us to do these things as well. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. You're dismissed.